Welcome, friends, to the Recovering Reality Podcast. We are excited that you have joined us on our journey of helping individuals and communities step into a healthier place of recovery. If you're interested in recovery coaching at all, you can reach out to us directly. We can set up a consultation and you can jump over to the website at www.recoveringreality.com for more free resources to help you live out the healthiest and most sustainable recovery possible. Enjoy the podcast, guys. You know, I I know for me, um, I remember hearing when I first came into the recovery world that it's an inside job. And how true is that? And clearly what I was doing, the mode of operation that I was moving in kept landing me in the places like hospitals jails institutions right Uh, back of cop cars rehabs things like this and i remember surrendering myself to god and other people who were doing the same seeking god and looking to live free and improve their lives in the rooms of aa or church or this recovery stuff and i began to to take these simple suggestions um, to actually listen and actually take advice and do these things that began to shift my because i don't know for me it was like it's it's these tiny simple little practical actions that produce these massive results you know i look at you know it's like if you if you look at a compass right and it's like two degrees difference in bearing well like in five feet and it's not that much difference you know 20 feet 10 miles down the road you're in another town in another state you know like you're in a completely different area and i realized it's like these just little shifts bearing shifts on my internal compass began to create really big results but it came by being willing to take advice and apply these really practical kind of things in my life mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm in agreement with you as well i mean for me it was about uh, the first time around it, I wasn't doing everything that everybody was suggesting. You know, they talked about finding God and, and, and having God in your life and Him being part of the steps, uh, the 12 steps mm-hmm. um, that that are in AA. And, um, you know, I, I thought originally with everybody around me talking that I could just do the steps and things would get better. And they didn't talk much about God. Mm-hmm. And they really didn't include Him in that. Um, maybe in the words in some of the steps and things like that that was mentioned, but it was never really put forth. And I truly believe that uh, you know if I would have if I would have done that the first time around, then I think that you know my re- my relapse after seven years might not have been what it was. You mm-hmm. know, and so for me talking about practical steps, it's really got to be practical. Um, I need some some steps in my life, but in that in that I also need to have God in my life. I need to have Christ mm-hmm. in my life. I need to be saved. I need to be, you know, bringing him in and having him be uh, a part of everything that I'm doing this time around because, you know, the, the truth is I don't know uh, that I have another recovery in me and, and, yeah. and I really don't want to go down this road any longer. So I need to take certain steps to assure my sobriety, not only for me, but for my family as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are some of those practical steps look like for you, Austin? I know in uh, early recovery for me, 
um, I was I was desperate enough to reach out to people who said they were willing to help. I was desperate enough to take suggestions and to listen to them because mm -hmm. I had a real problem with authority in the beginning. And I also had You're not a, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a real problem with authority. I had a real problem with the concept of God in my life and trusting him. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what that looked like. But I remember reading that when we reach out to people, um, whether it be a sober companion, a sponsor, a friend, when we reach out to a sober brother, mm -hmm. that is tangible evidence that you are reaching out to God for help. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the program claims we couldn't do this on our own power. And that was something I knew was true in my life. There was no way I was going to do this on my own willpower. I was so numb, I didn't even care about life anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was in no place to start putting my life in the proper order. But the practical steps were out. One thing my counselor told me was when I got really hate, when God's will seemed to get hazy, I could be certain that calling a sponsor, yeah. going to a meeting, calling a companion, reading on recovery, reading a little bit in the Word or whatever, was always God's will. And mm -hmm. I didn't have to get that confused. Mm -hmm. It was always God's will to do those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, I was very intentional about being around community and asking for help whenever because I would get very distraught and I would try and do things on my own and I would just come to the end of myself and say I just need to talk to somebody about this talking about it mm -hmm. gave me power mm -hmm. in it I look at it like it's like you shake up a, a soda can yeah and it's like about to pop mm -hmm. talking about it it's yeah. all pressure out of it mm -hmm. that's a great analogy mm -hmm. and that's what it felt like mm -hmm. I remember you know so practically speaking it's like I moved to San Diego and I was living in Utah and I had been trying really hard to make my lifestyle of addiction work for 13 years. It, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> it doesn't work for anybody. I had moved to San Diego um, and I was, I was living with people in recovery. Um, for the first about nine months to a year of my recovery, the practical side was this. I woke up every single morning at like 5 a.m., 5.30. I would read my big book. I would pray, I would read my Bible, I would go to a 7 a.m. meeting, and most mornings I also went to an 8.30 meeting. I went to two, not every single morning, but most, most mornings. That was my routine for roughly like nine months to a year, like probably about five days a week. I did like that. And it's, it's, the, it's the, the discipline of it. It begins the renewing of the mind. It's the practical, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because I know the reward on the other side of it. It's the learning how to do the right thing, whether I feel like it or not. You know, I would call somebody. Um, but I also, I also started learning that it's like, you don't, when you get in the habits, the practical, you know, every day I'm praying, no matter if I feel like it or don't. Every day I'm reading, if I feel like it or not. Um, talking to other people in recovery in one way or another. I began to realize that it, it was working, it works. And then, but I, but I also began to realize this, that like, if I do it on a continual basis, I can get to a place where I'm now calling people to see how they're doing, not because I'm at the, 
you know, it, which I've been in that place where it's like, gosh, I just need to call someone right now. You know what I mean? But the consistency, the practical, every day I do this, whether I feel like it or not. And it begins to shift how I feel, first of all. But second of all, it took me from the place of always being the one needing the help and shifted me into a place of the majority of the time being the one that is bringing the help and giving the help away. You know, doesn't mean obviously there's not days where you, you need to talk to someone about what's going on. But the practical shifted me from the place of consumer mode into being the one that is giving it away, giving it away. Hope dealer. Hope dealer. You know, I, um, and, and for me, uh, I got really active um, my first time around, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, what I found after my relapse and, and, and when I went into treatment and had time to sit back and really look at what had happened um, and look at how, how did I relapse, what happened, what was I doing that could have been different, um, because that's important to look at that. Um, if you're coming back around, you know, after a relapse. Mm -hmm. um, I think that what happened with me is I was extremely busy with a lot of different groups, doing a lot of different work with a lot of different people. Um, not to mention I'm sponsoring people in the 12 steps. Um, I'm working with a coalition. Um, I'm going to trainings, uh, doing all kinds of things. And what, what happened is when I was doing that is I forgot about my roots. Hmm. I got very comfortable where I was at, and I didn't see that I had gotten away from what I was supposed to do to keep me sober. Completely away from it. And it came about your external actions and not your internal right, world? Right, hmm. and, and, and in doing that, I, I ended up um, you know, relapsing. I, I think that, that was, that's not everything that had happened, but that's a sure. small part of uh, why I relapsed. Um, and you know that I think it's really important to look at to look back on that back when when they had the Oxford group You know mm -hmm. the percentage of recovery back then was well above 80% mm -hmm. and and they had people the Oxford group being being for people that wouldn't know when it originally started yes. in 1935 Yeah, yeah, yes, mm -hmm. and, it, and it was it was a faith-based deal and it's like you, you know had said at one point it is still um, mm -hmm. the thing is their recovery rate back then was well above 80%. Yeah, it was. And they true. had people coming to them, working with people the very next day. Mm -hmm. So you had somebody coming in that was an alcoholic, needed help, ended up working with somebody the next day, did the steps the next day, you know, right in one day they did these things. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody at a meeting the other day said, well, you got to have two years into this program in order to sponsor somebody. And when I heard that, it really broke my heart because that is not, what, this, what the program was originally designed Well, for. first of all, it's not even in the AA book. Second of all, my, my response would be, that's garbage. I mean, to be, right. here, here, you know, you mentioned, because there's the spiritual component, mm -hmm. but you're not really going to get your health, internal health, spiritually speaking, without taking these practical, you need to do this. You need to be praying. This is what you need. These are the things you need to do right. in order to get this. The reward you're looking for is on the other side of the actions you're avoiding. Mm -hmm. And I was in, you know, you, you mentioned they did the steps real quick. In, in the, you know, I did, I did steps one through eight in five hours. Yes. I sat down in this dude's trailer in his front yard. A guy that had been clean and sober like 30 years. I was probably a couple of weeks, maybe something like that. I don't remember exactly, but something like that. And I did steps one through eight. And now well, the reason people say you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You actually should. Right. Okay. That's the way they did it. You can't be extremely thorough. 
Okay. But that's why these are tools you use every day. Exactly. Right. And you can go back and be extremely thorough. But this is what you can do. You can be extremely honest. Yeah. And that's what I was. And it changed changed my whole life, you know. And I did continue, and I did get a sponsor, and I did go back, but it changed the whole course of my life doing that and doing it honestly and quickly. Mm-hmm. I think what comes to mind for me, for a lot of people that struggle being in and out of the rooms or whatever, is the God idea, the concept of God in their lives. And for me what it came down to because I was in a place where I had a lot of questions uh, in the beginning of my recovery. And what it came down to was I had to be willing to listen to people who had sobriety and had what I wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I had so many fears, so many worries about, I put all this work in, but I don't reap the fruit of it. Um, You know, and I think one thing that I've always said is step three says we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God. Mm-hmm. But for me, it always had to be a God who cares. Yeah. Then, because how can I give a God who is indifferent my worries, my pain, my whatever? So for me, though, it came down to practically listening to people who on the other side were like, it's okay, you can come on over, just just take this next step, you know what I mean? And I just, I just, I was so desperate that I was willing to yeah, just... Yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah, three. <laughs> three. <laughs> desperate enough to just say, I need to do what they have to say. Mm. And I had to intentionally be around those people. Yes. Because in my isolation, it was bad. Like, in my isolation... I tend to overthink. I think mm. most mm-hmm. addicts and alcoholics struggle with that, obviously. Yeah. So in my isolation, it was a war that I was not fit to win yeah. in that situation. So I had to be willing to get around people and listen to people. And I was desperate enough not to go back that yeah. I was willing to listen to the suggestions that people were making. And through that, you know, I started developing a relationship with God. And mm-hmm. it started with people who claim to know God, giving me practical steps and and listening to them. You know, it didn't start with me just having a revelation all of a sudden. It started with listening. Yeah, if I knew how to do it, I wouldn't have landed in AA. Yeah, (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You you were, you know, you're talking about desperation. And I guess you could say that's rock bottom. You know what I mean? And I I hear people describe their rock bottom and talk about rock bottom. And... I realized rock bottom, first of all, it's not going to look the same for everyone. It just doesn't, everyone's been to a different place, a different story. It's a different, and I, but I also realized this rock bottom is really, it's, it's where you stop digging, mm-hmm. period. You know, I know people who in high school, they very clearly had the addiction issue. They stopped before they graduated. People would say like, well, they really didn't have an addiction problem. I'm like, yes, they did. I was around them. They just chose to change, mm-hmm. you know, you know, mine, I had to dig a hole for 13 years. Before I was like, oh, I can stop digging now? Really? <laughs> I think I'll do that. For me, the, the God thing, like you were talking about, it was I had had some encounters and experiences when I was young that there was, there's no possible way for me to be honest that I could deny God. I know what happened. There's no way that God is real, period. Yeah. But who, it, when, how, the, I had 
I had no idea. All right. And if you would have asked me then some theological explanation, I would have probably just spouted off a bunch of gibberish. But I, and I had had some, well, I wasn't real fond on religion. But I approached the 12 step thing and I was like, let's try this Jesus guy. Let's see what he's all about because if I could get to know him for who he says he really is, I, I, I think I would like that. That sounds good. And I made it an honest, wholehearted, very because I was done digging the hole. And I was, the desperation was as real as ever. And I said, let's try this Jesus guy in the 12 steps. By default, almost, if you want me to be honest. But I found out very quickly and in a very real and powerful way, oh, yeah, he's not only there. He, he's passionately in love with me and is going to transform my life very quickly um, by just allowing myself to submit to that. People that knew him already, that um, were just as bad or worse than I was, and I could see it in their life. I would listen to their stories, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That, wait a minute. If that guy was that bad and his life is this good now, then I can do it. <laughs> if, wait a minute, it was that bad for you? It wasn't that bad for me. I'm pretty sure I can do this. All right? Be, and taking practical advice. And then the relationship of getting to know God. The relationship of learning to walk that every day and allowing it to be something that transforms me from the inside. Starts in the inside and transforms and then comes, comes out, man. Yeah, you know, that's always, God, the God issue has always been a struggle with me. Um, you know, and we've talked prior to this about my struggle with that, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a spiritual battle, I believe, in the beginning. And, and that's really what it was. It was, you know, God saying, hey, I'm here, and I know He's there. There's no question in my mind about whether or not there's a God. Mm -hmm. But being willing to surrender everything to Him was the struggle. Yeah. And, you know, I know that, you know, my experience up at Sacred Heart um, this time around in treatment, something happened to me in the chapel. Hmm. Every day I was in there praying. Every day I was in that chapel praying. And just a calm come over me. You know, no way to explain it other than, other than God saying, I got you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and just trying to move forward from there and build that relationship with him, you know, is, is what's important to me um, this time around. And that's a big step for me. Yeah. Um, because of my past and things that have happened and you know, I've always had that I've always had an excuse not to not to allow God into my life And that's what it was. It was an excuse. I was just not trying to live the way that I should live You know, and that's really what it comes down to um, you know having faith and in, in believing in God and You know acting the way that I need to be mm -hmm. being who I need to be I guess is the best way to put it mm -hmm. um, You know and I learned that by going to the 12-step meetings. I learned that by having a sponsor um, I, I learned that through people that I know that are, you know, that have Christ in their life and, and you can see it. Yeah. There's a significant difference in, in if I'm looking at this gentleman over here in recovery yeah. and this one over here, the one that has God, you see the smile on his face, you see the glow about him, you feel the energy and you don't feel that over here. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm able to actually see that these days and I think that that's a really big help is just to be around like-minded people. You know? That's good. I think too, like, I think, I mean, me personally, like Eric, I had a lot of experiences as a kid that obviously pointed back to God. Mm -hmm. But through the pain and the circumstances of life that I went through, mm -hmm. 
I found it difficult to trust God as a father in my life who actually cared about me, mm -hmm. who wasn't there to just judge me and condemn me. And who was totally, point out what you're doing wrong. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. He totally stood at the doorstep ready and willing to forgive as soon as I just acknowledged him. Mm -hmm. Just through the acknowledgement. And what I think is so important through having a consistent and powerful relationship with God is, is it allows us to live with peace through our circumstances. Yeah. Because without that active and intentional relationship with God in our lives, it's going to be so easy for circumstances in our relationships, careers, hopes, dreams, whatever. When it's good, it's amazing. And when it's bad, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. But what God did for me was create a level, like it just created a, a, a not too up, not too down. Mm -hmm. And it just a piece where I have that rock to stand on. And mm -hmm. now I'm in a place where I'm totally getting a new revelation of his grace and a new revelation of his love mm -hmm. coming out of that fear of judgment and condemnation and guilt and shame. And it, that excitement is what empowers me to go and, and share with people. Because as long as I'm sitting here worried and fearful or whatever, and I think some of it's just a process and some of it just takes time. I mean, you can't get to know anybody in a day. Mm -hmm. So, um, but there was a lot of real moments crying out to him, things like that. Like, but... I'm learning to just be myself with Jesus and just authentically be me and know that he, um, he cares for me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's created, it's, I mean, it's been transformational. I mean, if, you know, without saving face, like, I mean, it's, it's been amazing to see what my life was two and a half years ago oh, yeah. compared to today. It's insane. Think back what it was like to now. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, friends, on the fastest growing recovery podcast out. We consider it a great privilege to be able to share this free resource with you that encourages and empowers you to live into a healthy and sustainable recovery. You guys can help us by sharing this on your social media platforms and with friends who you think could benefit from this. And if you want to go a step further and help us get the word out even more, you can leave us a five star rating and a short review on the Apple podcast page about how this podcast has helped you live into a healthier and more powerful recovery in your own personal life. Thank you guys. Connect again soon.